0: Yeah, wow, well, it really is. when that voice pops in, you know it's time to begin, and wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, oh, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to Woo! Oh, especially if you are one of our geeks and sneaks using this podcast, how are you through a workout or a run, or hey, maybe you're putting up the, the holiday decorations. Maybe you're walking the dog. Whatever the case. We're going to be in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week. Delivered the way we love it to be and that is completely free thanks to our patrons at patreon.com slash Pod. They bring the show to you. They, through their generosity, their goodwill and their support, make sure that DLC continues And in exchange, they get some cool stuff, including completely ad-free versions of the show, video versions of the show on demand, and a cubic, mind-blowing ton of bonus content, including our usual Wednesday midweek goofball show we call Paid DLC. It's with Lana Bashinsky, joining myself and Christian Spicer, talking whatever nonsense comes up during the middle of the week. Unstructured, wacky, weird, but also you get bonus spoiler chats like we just did for God of War Ragnarok. You can find that on the RSS for patrons and the Friday show, Feeling This, where Christian Spicer and Alex Sulman talk about the feelings behind games. Classic, current, it's great stuff and it's all bonus content for our patrons at patreon.com slash dlcpod. This show DLC, the main show, is all about games in their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanada, that spells with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy who is absolutely stuffed full of tofurkey, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian
1: hello jeff hello everyone i actually did a um we went out with, with my family i was in texas as people from last week's show uh, might recall um i had a, a cauliflower was like the main it was like a cauliflower steak that was they allow that in texas i mean i flew it in um you know oh. from oregon actually so
0: it I mean, was, was like, it austin you know, was it austin
1: no houston it was houston oh, i went well, out look houston. at that we met up with some friends too, and uh, we crashed to their place. the day before Thanksgiving, like, yeah, we'll get takeout for y'all. Come on over, and I was like, thanks, buddy. But remember, I am a vegetarian. And he's like, yeah, still come on over. Still come on
0: over. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's he's pot committed at that point, you know. Yeah, can't, I mean, we yeah, we are, can't, the invite had been sent. Can't yeah, no, disinvite be, you now. You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, well, tried. I'm glad.
1: he was like this is my new address and it was like one digit off you know and we had to find it
0: <laughs> <laughs> you, you, go, you just he just gave you next door and you're just looking over is like,
1: eh, isn't that you
0: <laughs> not a very good uh not a very good uh you know throw off anyway um happy thanksgiving to everybody we are grateful that you are here we have a huge show to talk about you know it, it's a holiday weekend uh However you happen to celebrate Black Friday is up to you, (laughs) but uh, we we have lots to talk about and we have one of our favorite guests to do that with. You know that DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian, but this week, once again, DLC stands for Delight Lifted from Chaos, because from Jeff Grubb's Game Mess, and also one of the preeminent members of the International Association of Gaming Jeffs.
2: It's That's Jeff right. Grub back on the show. Hey Jeff. Woo. Hey, uh, hey guys! I'm glad to be back. How's it going? How how you guys all doing? You guys recovering from Thanksgiving and Black Friday? You guys actually you know what? Did you guys get any deals? Do you guys buy any new TVs? Like a six, seventh TV at this point? I was tempted by a TV deal. That was sure, a pretty good LG Who TV isn't? deal. I,
0: I I showed it to my wife. I was like, we could get the 83 inch, and she's like, no. Yeah. And I was like, okay. Yep. Um, but I did get a couple of uh, small things. Just you know, you know, it's Cyber Monday
2: coming. Up. Uh, you know, you just try to get the deals. Throw am at. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, if a, D, if a deal crosses my path, who, who, who am I to say no? That's just fate at that point. Agreed.
0: Agreed. Christian, any articles, deals?
1: I bought some clothing. Uh, mm. My favorite deal articles now at this point is like the grizzled old uh, Black Friday, Cyber Monday veteran are the articles, like the listicles that are like, these are the things that are really deals. You know, because it's, like <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's like, that's not a deal. It's like, no, no, no. These are like the real, the real honesty. And then you read through the list and it's like, oh, well. I don't really want any of it, but I'm glad to know that there are real deals out there and not like that. This is the TV, get this TV for whatever hundred, you know, whatever. And then you're like, you look up the model number and it's like only sold on black Friday. And you're like, Oh, you got me. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: me. I, the way I do it uh, is that the things that I've been meaning to buy, I'm like, well, I'm going to see if
2: there are a huge discount, like uh extra SD card. Yeah. I'll buy that on, on black Friday. Cause it's yes. probably going to find one, a too. good deal. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Those SD cards. <laughs> so then they really drop on black Friday. I, I know they'll be cheaper again next Black Friday, but I, I need it now. So I'm going to get yeah, it now. And then exactly. you know, I, was, I was happy with that choice. You'll well. fill
1: it up between now and next Black Friday and you won't know what's uh-huh. on it. You won't
0: know uh-huh. what you put on uh-huh. it. That <laughs> <you>? I know. <laughs> yes. Well, happy Black Friday to you and yours. Happy Cyber Monday, everybody.
2: Really yes, absolutely.
0: Everybody. Um, we have uh, we've got tons to get to. So let's start the show the way we always do. with Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week. gets the Story of the- Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. We also love hearing from you for all sorts of reasons. Just, you know, high fives are cool or whatever comments or questions you want to send our way. dlcfeedback at gmail.com is where you send them. Or, and also, why don't you check out one of our cool communities? You can check out our subreddit, which is 5x5dlc.reddit.com. And thus the uh, the Discord, which is also a fantastic place full of really cool people. You can find that five by five DLC on Reddit or on uh, excuse me on uh, Discord as well. In fact, I want to mention uh, some of the fine folks that run our Discord are organizing the annual uh, game of the year voting, and I want to talk about the game of the year from the listeners' perspective. So get over there on the Discord and vote for Game of the Year. When that goes up, uh, that voting will take place throughout the month of December. All right, Jeff, you are our guest. You get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week?
2: Yeah, I I think um, I'm going to have to go with Pokemon Scarlet and Violet being the fastest selling Nintendo games ever, which I think by the transitive property of Nintendo being bigger than everyone else does make it the fastest selling game through a three-day period period I kind of think it might be i mean, I wondered like did a grand theft auto do fat like actually I mm. sell it but i I don't think so. I think this might be the fastest selling game period of of, of all time through a three day period uh yeah, so ten million copies it doesn't million. get much bigger than that that is just I'm someone who pays attention to numbers a lot of times i don't I, I don't know I think it's like um these companies are so secretive. I have a fun time looking at the numbers. It's like, okay, we can work backward from here's why they make these decisions, right? That these, these games sell so well. And, and then we get more of them and these games tend to trail off and we don't get more of them. All right. Big surprise. Um, I, I think it's safe to say we might get more Pokemon. After this. <laughs> I think people still want the Pokemons. Yeah. Sure, it's, I mean, it's like, it, it's the kind of thing where, okay, they've been building this brand now for 25, 30 years almost. And, it's done the kind of uh, maybe only a handful of other properties have really done this. Star Wars, maybe. I mean, obviously, Pokemon's bigger in terms of a sheer sure amount of money spent on it than anything else. Number one, it is number one on that front. But uh, it, like, it has done so by constantly bringing in new children all the time without losing too many of the children. It did attract 20 to 30 years ago. Like all those fans are still showing up. And then on top of that, now you have this this new generation of their kids showing up and soon their grandkids, it feels like. So it's uh, it's really just kind of ballooning and it's exponential growth and it's paying off with, right, for them right now with a game outselling any other Nintendo game ever. That's incredible.
0: It really is. I mean, 10 million in three days is astronomical. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> Sony was crowing about God of War Ragnarok and rightfully so selling- yes. million copies you know biggest first party exclusive in sony's history and nintendo's like hold my beer you know um yes well you know why
1: though jeff right what's that because they didn't they they did god of war ragnarok and not god of war scarlet and god of war violet like that's That's a problem that's what i want (laughs) to ask
0: like do you guys consider is it a cheat is it you know a little bit i'm sure a lot of people buying both SKUs,
2: right yeah, but I mean, at the end, the money's all green. <laughs> like, yeah, like, yeah, exactly. like, yeah if, if Sony could get away with selling two versions of Ragnarok to people, they would have done it. Like, yeah, they can because it's not God Pokemon. of War Rag and God of War Rock. Yeah, exactly. yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's what the end is there. It's, it's in rock. It's like, yeah, you get them together. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, people are buying that two pack. I was like, I went on, on the my, my eShop to buy the game. And the first thing I clicked on was the two pack. I'm like, $120. What the heck? And it's like, well, OK, yeah, people are going there and buying both. But that's just them figuring it out, making it work. But there, there's no way that 10 million number is just, oh, 5 million people buying it twice. It is right. No, you're right. You know, you're right. between. It, but it's still, it's like pretty impressive stuff, regardless of how they get there. I agree. Uh, the other thing about them getting there is that
0: this is in the face of every review talking about the <laughs> yep. massive performance problems on the switch that's not insignificant as well i mean it seems to it seems to have ignored all of that and i think that would have put off a lot of people uh if it was literally any other ip but people are playing through it
2: yeah, yeah i think it's uh the kind of thing where we see this frequently and it's the next game right the, the next game that pays and um the thing with pokemon is the next one will be a or remake or a remaster of some older franchise that or older version of these games that people will be like, well, listen, I wasn't here for that game that was broken, or I did buy it, and I was disappointed, but this game is a remake of one that I know I loved, It was it's a remake of Black and White, well I gotta be there for that, And but you know, the next time they come back around two years from now, and there's a new generation, it's probably gonna be broken again, I won't buy it then, but they'll forget, because they'll just keep buying these other Pokemon games, and get excited about the next one all over again, but it, the the next one could pay a little bit for this if it's broken in a similar way just chances are it won't be because it will be some other version of pokemon where it is one of those remasters instead
0: christian you are a much bigger pokemon fan than i uh and i know your daughters are as well um i think my son is just getting it he literally asked for the pokemon advent calendar this year and i was like oh there's a, there's a sign there's a sign of things to come um i just don't think he's aware of scarlet and violet yet but uh, I notice that neither of these games is on your playlist this week. Uh, is that because of the performance issues, or just you know holiday, or are you staying away from this one?
1: Yeah, I'll probably talk more about it come our end of the year conversation. But um, I did not get an early copy of uh, of this game. Which there's a lot of games we don't get early copies for. But I had a friend who did and was like, "Hey, y- you might want to wait on this." I know. I know you like Pokemon and I am of the age where I think the things that um, the issues that plague it, I think will, would bother me. Like, I think what's interesting about the, the issues to the game is I don't, I, and I I have not played it, but friends who have, I truly don't think they impact the basic gameplay loop of the game that much. Like what you're doing in Pokemon doesn't require 60 frames per second. It doesn't require like excellent draw distances, like, The loop of that game, yeah, it'd be nice to be able to see a Pokemon far away, (laughs) you know, before you walk up to it and not have shadows glitching in and out. But I think for a lot of people that find the enjoyment in that game, the issues with it don't detract from it the way that the issues with Cyberpunk when it launched uh, on console for a lot of people detracted from that core gameplay loop. Uh, But for me, I think those issues would be enough to detract my joy from it. And then my kids haven't asked for it yet. So it was this nice sweet spot of uh, too many games and knowing the game had those, yeah. those issues that made it an easy pass for me. But I think the interesting thing about this story as an elder statesman of gaming, I remember when, when games got stickers put on them for being a million seller. You know, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. back in my so, you know, a game, game, sold a million stickers. But, yeah i mean it was like trumpet you know like million sell and now it's like it's, that's still a big deal selling a million copies
2: is <laughs> so really good yeah i mean like um yeah if we try to uh, uh, attach the the old record selling th- metric to it it's like you know million wouldn't be a platinum but it'd be like a gold that's like a gold record that's like yeah. still pretty good i mean platinum you're talking like 10 million these days and then for whatever the level of Diamond, I guess, 15 million. Very, very few games get Taylor above 15 Swift million. Only. It's just Taylor yeah. Swift. Like, no oh, one yes, hits exactly. <laughs> yes, Taylor Swift and then uh, Spider-Man, Miles Morales. <laughs> and that's about it, yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I know you already mentioned this, Jeff, but uh, just to underscore it one more time, the thing that blows my mind is since 1996, mainline Pokemon video games have outsold the previous one every single time.
2: Yeah, that's just incredible, incredible. Yeah, and there's there's kind of no other explanation other than it's just universally appealing, right? The character yeah. designs and the uh, and the, the the mechanics, the music, and uh, the the whole just the fundamental capture concept. People just it just strikes a chord with with humans in some way. And from the very like when a kid first sees it, they're like, oh no, yeah, I get this, and I know it, and I want to know everything about it. And then the game does the thing where it's like, oh, you're, you're a kid who wants to know everything about this in a way that even your parents couldn't understand. Kids love that stuff. And this oh, game yeah. gives it to them in spades where it's just like there's a million tiny little mechanics and you could be the master of this universe. And you could tell everyone in the world about it and they won't understand because you're, you're special. You, you get this. And uh, that stuff lasts forever, it builds a le- lifetime uh, a bond between this pro- this property and, and people. And clearly it has not broken for most because uh, they go in and they just keep buying it. So, yeah, yeah it's impressive stuff
1: while there are exceptions to this i'm certain but as an ip it is one that has been respected throughout its type of other properties you know like the t-shirts and the figures and the uh, films and the tv show like the external property of pokemon where you know it was a what a Katy perry doing the first title track off of the pokemon anniversary album like big artists celebrating this stuff and and the merch is always done very well like it never went through the slumming it years of quick cash in stuff again I know yeah. there are exceptions but it's a brand that has held its value over this lifetime which is hard um, for I think IPs that last this long to do I mean people were still excited to follow every time Ash would come back into the mainline cartoon like will he achieve his dream you know like it's it it's it, it's comforting and nostalgic, but also, as as uh, Jeff mentioned, it keeps building a new fan base on top of that, too, which is really interesting. Because So many other things that my kids are into now, I find that they are riffs on things that I was interested in. You know, it's become meta, like they like the thing that pokes fun at the thing that I liked or whatever. And Pokemon continues to build on its own base in a really fascinating way.
0: Pokemon. You know, it's, it's it, as, as Jeff Grubb mentioned, I mean, it's like Star Wars, Marvel, mm-hmm. Pokemon. I mean, that's in that pantheon, yep. you know?
2: Yeah. There's a few other things like it. This game's yeah. going to, it seems like it's going to sell thir- like 30 million copies when it's gone, crazy. Like something like, that. I, I kind of don't know how you have to start and don't get to like at least 25 million Um There's only a handful of games that have done that. And a couple more on the Switch, like, you know, Animal Crossing and Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. And Zelda Breath of the Wild is getting there if it's not already past 25 million. But that's I mean, there's not much more than that. And this game's going to get there. Christian Spicer, what is your story of the week?
1: My story of the week, there's a lot of good stories. But the thing I want to bring up as we are approaching this end of the year time, the look back and stuff like that, and people are creating their lists and the game awards are, you know, on the precipice they're coming and all those announcements time magazine has announced its um top 10 games of the year and i find outlets as large as time or as you know general
0: outlet as large as time Sorry. um so
1: as S-Sandheim,
2: not right what song has, what's <laughs> this? <list? laughs>
1: not as game specific as time magazine is doing their list is always going to be divisive right there's a, any list there's going to be that controversy but the reason mr Kannada, i specifically want to bring this list up is because at number eight and we'll go through the whole list but at number eight they listed resident evil village shadows of rose which <laughs> Mr. Kanata, it's DLC, baby. It is. <laughs>
0: Just, you're using, you you are sullying the <laughs> story of the week segment. Wow. For your own purposes. This is how you've stooped so low, Spicer. No, no, no. Mm. I'm saying
1: that I was doing it. Well, I am ahead of my time. I am saying uh, you're, you're literally ahead, of, of, you're literally
0: ahead of, saying, of time. You're ahead of <laughs> actual <laughs> time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, well, Mr. Grubb, the reason I want to bring this up, and I do think it's right, a fascinating it. conversation, and Canada, you and I have had this. By the way, uh,
0: this is from the guy who has repeatedly said people's top 10 lists are ridiculous and we shouldn't even <laughs> award games of the year who <laughs> has literally I, forced me to rename our game of the year favorites of the year because he doesn't <laughs> think there's such a thing as game of the year mm-hmm. I stand now by he that. wants to spend an entire segment on Let's do it. time okay go ahead go ahead christian
1: i will stand by that favorite of the year and i stand by everything else the reason i think that this, is, this leads to an interesting conversation and one mr canada you and i have had time at times dabbled in here or there and i'm curious to get uh Mr. Grubb's opinion on it is the idea of what game of the year is now in terms of, and I know the game awards has created the best ongoing game and best expansion to a game, but resident evil village shadows of Rose is a meaty DLC. We've had meaty DLCs before uh, destiny Two: the witch queen was, was this witch queen was that this year's was this year's and like Fortnite season eight or, you know, whatever. And I, I think it's fascinating as games continue to evolve What should or should not be considered your best gaming experience, (laughs) you know, perhaps or what best game of the year should be in terms of what that that conversation is. And so I like using something like here when I saw this Time magazine saying, oh, this feels like a a shift in that general consensus of what, quote unquote, game of the year can be when it is included in this is a expansion for another game and I'm curious if we'll see other major outlets you know go down that path and and mr grubb I know at giant bomb there has always been a long legacy of debate as to yeah. games of the year and also what qualifies as a game of the year uh, and I'm curious kind of what your feelings are on that and if they're shifting at all as we you know round out 2022
2: yeah I think uh, I, I think we uh, had a, a the, the beginning of this conversation recently because we were like considering some of these questions and uh, we've Basically arrived at we're just gonna kind of let in everything at this point. Um it, old games, it can be your game of the year again, if it's a live service game, especially, but kind of I mean, if you make an argument for it, we'll we'll hear it out at this point. And I think that's kind of kind of where you need to be because you're right, games have changed so much. Uh I think that uh when you look at something like, okay, well, Fortnite came out as this product and then changed uh into Fortnite Battle Royale, and at that point, it's like, okay, this is a whole other just kind of mode inside of a game and we're letting that stand on its own and obviously it does stand on its own well okay well then what's what's the game there well it's it, it, it is whatever you go there to play and if you just go there to play a new mode that drops in something that's one of your favorite games and that mode is new to this year if you call that your game of the year i i think that's 100 percent right at this point you can't it's hard to argue with that because of the way games have changed away from products so uh severely and i it, it's a bit fair, too, because that's what developers are putting their efforts into. That's what they are spending their time on, on re-upping games that you are already into, you are already spending a lot of time with. And I kind of want to, I don't want to discount that. I want to include that and make that feel like that. Uh, it's not just part of the conversation. It is the conversation in gaming right now. That is what they're putting out. That's what we're playing. Uh, there's no reason to ignore it. I don't disagree with any of that. I think that is
0: absolutely a defensible position and a justifiable position. And yet, I find myself <laughs> bristling at this notion of an expansion as being a, a game of the year. I just It feels like there is some distinction there that and maybe I'm just old, and maybe that's what it is, and, and, and stuck in an old paradigm. But I, you know, I, I feel like if, if, if there's a release that came out this year that relies on another release to work. Then it's not a game of the year. It's it's a different thing, and I I hate to be so pedantic about it, but I kind of feel like yeah, I, I it's nothing sacred. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, so I, like, I, mean, I
2: I get that, but also at this point, it's just um, it it, it does feel like well, it, you know, a certain point, a year could come along here where all the games I play are just added, like, stuff added yeah. on the things I was already <laughs> playing. Yeah. And it's like, I kind of don't want to be the person standing in front of the train of time as it runs <laughs> over me, not, like, relentlessly. <laughs> like, yeah.
0: Stand in front of the train of time. <laughs> <laughs> I do is wonder, like, a? Yeah.
2: is there, like,
1: uh, you know, it needs to be able to be a quote-unquote boxed copy. So, like... Uh, I don't like agree with that. Right. No, 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 of- not, not boxed copy, but, I mean, like, a standalone release. So, like, Uncharted, right? Like, Lost Legacy was expansion for uncharted 4 but you could also buy just right. lost legacy you didn't have to buy uncharted 4 for yeah, miles stand morales alone.
0: Y- yeah. Yeah. The biz.
2: yeah yeah yes. standalone that's
0: what I, I don't know i think i think it's a different category you know I, and uh i don't know it's like french fries aren't the best sandwich i've had all year you know what i mean <laughs> Have you tried putting them between two other French fries? One oh, yeah, French there you fry go. between two
2: French fries. Oh, I always eat my French fries. I just—they are games at this point. It's we, yeah. well, we do get in a lot of trouble when we try to uh, put put these things into uh, boxes and categories. Uh, I mean, I honestly, you know, Jeff Keeley's thing. I, I'm going to watch it. I'm, I've been entertained by it pretty frequently over the last couple of years. I'm fine with what it is. Uh, as a voter trying to figure out what the, what the best action adventure game is versus the best action game yeah I'm way over that like these yeah. genre awards of just are completely broken at this point um Sifu's is you know obviously in there as best fighting game or one of the best fighting games as a nominee. It's not even a fighting game. It's just broken. We should yeah. just. Well, it has scrap zero adventure, is Jeff. I don't know if
1: you when you played
2: Seafood <laughs> no
0: Adventure, Z- no adventure
1: in, no also, adventure in Seafood. Right? I like
0: the like best PlayStation game, you know, or
2: like best Xbox game. It's <laughs> yeah. like what is even? What even is that? You yeah, know, that's so so. Yeah, like uh, best Harper Collins book. Like, <laughs> <laughs> are you nuts? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it, it's just it's, it's we're, we we have a lot of weird stuff that happens when we try to put put this these things into boxes. So I'm kind of leaning away from that in general to the point where I'm like yeah if game of the year comes and someone's to argue that their favorite game was a DLC I don't have a great argument against that anymore so so that's kind of where I've fallen I I do
1: wonder if like I mean I know that in cinema and TV there are very rigid rules about what qualifies and what doesn't but it's like at some point is episode four of the last season of Stranger Things which is an hour and a half (laughs) (laughs) yeah like the best movie because like what a movie it was the fact that it was in the middle of right all of this stuff is shifting i'm going to read this list real quick because we have talked about it 10 was shredder's revenge turtle shredder's revenge 9 lego star wars skywalker saga 8 as mentioned the resident evil village shadows of rose 7 sifu zero adventure in that game i'll say it again (laughs) 6 the last of us part 1 which is interesting as well as a remake uh qualifying and in consideration five stray which also got a lot of uh game awards noms elden ring at four the quarry at number three which i feel like is there just to get clicks um uh, and debate for why it was higher than elden ring <laughs> number two horizon forbidden west and number one god of war rag um god of war rock did not make the <laughs> no list, yeah uh, oddly enough
2: <laughs> Completely separate that's product. time yeah. magazines 10 yeah. best games of the year i'll say that's a pretty good like broad top 10 list like from a, a publication like time yeah that that totally sounds about right i i think a lot, a of, lot of people
0: would would be upset as you mentioned christian about elden ring being so well, far because that's because
2: but... that's just actually wrong it's just it's just straight up wrong <laughs> but it's time magazine fine this this is fun yeah
1: uh yeah chat mentions mario kart 8 deluxe new
2: tracks should be considered yes well you sure. can, i think consider it at this point That's But a like, whole game g- you are going to have an uphill argument like if we're going to go do our, our giant bomb game of the year thing dan Riker brings that uh, he's going to get <laughs> shouted down like no one's gonna like <laughs> really hear them i think that uh uh canadi you're you your concerned here will be uh will be borne out in that when people say okay well my favorite thing is dlc they're gonna have a hard time arguing if you put it on your personal list well at that point there, there are no rules on a personal list right but, if you're uh, in a room with other people and that's the argument you want to make, I think it's going to start from, you know, uh, behind the rest of the pack a little bit when you go. So what's part of this other bigger game? And here's why it stands on its own, even though it doesn't, it literally does not stand on its own. Um, So, so yeah, but if a DLC does rise above that, Clearly, it's deserving, I think, at that point. If I just anyone don't wanna, can push I, those Mario Kart tracks across the line, it is Dan.
1: Yeah, so absolutely. I look uh, forward to Dan getting I, getting... I shouldn't
2: <laughs> tempt fate, you're right. uh, I just don't want to encourage
0: Christian uh, when it comes to, time for our show. That's a good point, uh, I'm sorry favorite. about that. Uh, I'm, I'm going to get a whole cordial. list
1: of... It's going to be my fifth favorite game is going to be one mode from Witch Queen. The fourth <laughs> is going to be that one strike I did with Anthony yeah. from Witch Queen.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's it's all a mess. He's just He's literally... Turning ours into a game mess, Jeff. It's not-
2: Honestly, the game of the year is still passivism from uh, Geometry Wars 2 or whatever it was <laughs> today. So, yes, I'm right there with you.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, my story of the week, uh, you guys, I, I don't think this is actually the story I'm most interested in this week. But I have two smart people here, and I want to talk about it with you guys because I find this whole – negotiation slash uh litigation with the government trying to uh, avoid monopoly and getting this acquisition approved fascinating it is ongoing uh this is uh, of course I'm referring to Microsoft attempting to acquire Activision Blizzard and uh evidently this week the UK government uh, deemed it prudent to release the full argument uh to the public uh this is the full argument that between Xbox and PlayStation, arguing PlayStation side as to why Xbox should not or Microsoft should not be allowed to uh, to acquire Activision Blizzard. And uh, Microsoft saying, yes, we should. And it it's odd that we get to see this stuff because it is very much uh, not it is at odds with the public PR uh, gamer facing versions of messaging that you see. Um, but basically the idea here is both companies trying to minimize their ability to be successful. Uh, look look <laughs> at us. We're a small, tiny little company just trying to make it today in this wacky world, uh, but oh man, Microsoft—you uh, know—Microsoft Microsoft's so big and scary and we'll be even bigger and scarier with Activision Blizzard and Microsoft on the other side going, oh, no, no, no. Sony is the <laughs> ones who are amazing. We're just, just scraping by here. Uh, it's fascinating, the pull quotes here, Uh, Microsoft saying that Call of Duty players are neither unique nor special, (laughs) that Elder Scrolls 6 is a, quote, mid-size game. Uh, Meanwhile, PlayStation is like, oh, Xbox Game Pass is
2: crushing us,
0: significantly (laughs) ahead of PS Plus. Jeff, I'm sure you've talked about this uh, on on your content. Uh, Are we to make anything of this, or is this just posturing that really was never meant for
2: our eyes? Yeah. I, I mean, I think that you, we need to remember that these companies have a lot of lawyers who have a lot to do here where they need to prove, like, why are we paying you all so much all the time? Well, they're going to throw every single trick they can possibly think of right now. This is when the, they, their money is going to be made. And so um, it's not too surprising that every every chance they get, they do their most to, to make to put themselves in the best position as possible. So, yeah, it's it's posturing it. One hundred percent is Um I think what we can kind of glean from this is that this deal is very important to both companies on the PlayStation side, that it not go through on the Microsoft side, that it does go through. Um, and I, the the kinds of things that we're hearing in the press and now in these in these filings um, are things that we have never really heard from these companies. They they go to such great lengths to avoid answering questions in these ways and to talk about their com- competition and talk about themselves in these ways. And now they're doing it repeatedly every day for months now and it's, oh the only reason they're doing this is because this is the biggest deal in the history of gaming in the history of the world all right? and so uh b- b- both these companies have a lot and we, we know why On um, obviously on the microsoft side having uh call of duty would be huge having king would be even bigger uh and on the playstation side they, they talk about PlayStation Plus. That's the number one mover of PlayStation Plus is I want to play Call of Duty online with my friends. They do not want to lose that. They don't want to lose uh, you know, they'd also hate the idea of, well, we make ten dollars or we make three dollars for every seven dollars that we sell of Call of Duty on our system going forward. Uh, and we send that seven dollars over to Microsoft. That's a bit upsetting to them. And then when they want to go negotiate, they gotta go negotiate with Microsoft now. And they hate the idea of that. Um, because again, like they they move a lot of PlayStation Plus. And they had a deal with Activision where they gave a little cash on the side to Activision for helping them sell so much PlayStation Plus. now that money's gonna go to Microsoft and Phil Spencer's gonna go there with a big grin on his face. They they, want, they hate the idea of that. I don't blame them. Um I've been for a long time been like, how does this deal not go through? It is very hard to argue that it is anti-competitive when it's clearly that this is a move by a company that's trying really hard to compete. And then on the other side, you, Sony can be like, oh, yeah, well, we're going to have a hard time competing. But Nintendo does exist. And I know they talked about that and, and brought that up in the, these filings. But Nintendo does exist without Call of Duty. And that's such a prime example. How do you argue against that? But I, I don't know. It's, it does seem like the tide is building a little bit where, the, um, you know, the FTC reportedly is going to look into this as well. And maybe it's going to bring a suit that hasn't been voted on. But that seems to be the way things are going. And at a certain point, maybe Microsoft does say it's not going to go through. Maybe it's not worth it. Maybe we need to pull out in the same way that um, Nvidia did with Arm. I don't think that's going to happen. I still think it's going to go through. But it is—it's—it's getting interesting in a way that um, it's—that it could. It feels like it could fall apart a little bit more. And all other ways, it's getting kind of less interesting because it's just the same thing over and over again. These two companies (laughs) just being like, "Hey, we don't even know how we got here. uh, Mr. Magoo is in charge over here, and we just (laughs) blindly ended up." spending 69 billion dollars to buy a company and playstation's like we, we don't even know how we we have listen this is all luck we had nothing to do with this <laughs> yeah. and really we need everything we can going forward it's pretty wild to hear them talking this way it is i mean you know hearing
0: sony say stuff like you know battlefield franchise is just garbage you know just you know we're just suffering all we have is we would have a battlefield and yeah. it's, <laughs> it's impossible to you know it's very very uh it's very funny
2: Bungie too like that's a a weird thing like they're like we can't uh, shooters this is just for the 18 plus shooters call of duty owns that that's not a genre (laughs) that there's no such genre as the 18 plus shooters (laughs) that's just a a narrow that's such a lawyerly way of thinking about it right listen we gotta find a way to distinguish it from all other games well, it is like basically the only eighteen plus shooter that sold four hundred million copies. So like, okay, eighteen plus shooter. That's how we're gonna talk about it. No one has ever been like my favorite ga- type of games is eighteen plus shooters.
0: That's wild. <laughs> right. Yeah. I hate those seventeen year old shooters. <laughs> yeah, huh?
2: yeah, right? What a weird thing. Uh, Christian's gotta have their segment.
1: I only play uh creature collectors that have sold more than ten million yes, units. Exactly. Like that's yeah, that's yeah. my yeah, yeah,
0: it's your niche. Yeah. That's where I live. Yeah. Uh Christian, you you are a former lawyer. Uh, former writer of 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 weird documents such as these, <laughs> uh, and I'm I'm told that your legal advice can actually still be followed to this day.
1: Yes, as actual legal advice, because my I am. Um, I think what's fascinating about this is from the outside, and we are seeing a lot of what's going on at the inside. I think from the outside, this seems fascinating because I truly feel like this was a surprise for everybody. Um, Jeff Grubb mentioned that a little bit here, but I feel like, you know, Phil Spencer saw this opportunity as Bobby was, you know, running into some big, important issues at Activision and Activision share price kind of tumbled and Microsoft is being very aggressive. And Phil seems to have the full backing of Microsoft to go and do these things. And from all accounts, uh, at the time it came together very quickly. And especially in terms of deals, this large coming together, And I think it blindsided a lot of folks and that's why you're seeing a lot of this scrambling happening and going on and trying to pull things together. And, you know, Sony thought they had this long-term deal locked down with Activision and and Call of Duty being a marquee title for them. I think it's interesting that it's getting this much attention. Whereas like how many times has HBO and Warner brothers been sold in the last three years, you know, and like maybe there's more players in the entertainment space But most of those players are owned by three businesses, and you don't hear about those being as big of being checked on as monopolies in terms of scrutiny, at least when they were happening. And I think, too, if you broaden this, if I'm Microsoft and they've done some of this, what you're really talking about is entertainment or competition for eyeballs or time. And to say that Microsoft is anywhere close to a monopoly on that, when what, as Netflix had said before... Their biggest rival is TikTok, you know, like not or, or, or Netflix's biggest rival is Fortnite. Like all of these markets are very vague. And I think Microsoft is going to keep pushing the boundary of who their market really is and what they're competing against. And it's not Sony. You have the direct competitors of of Nintendo and even Valve. I think to some extent now they are more in the hardware space as well. It's hard to argue that Steam isn't very successful and they don't, you know, that they don't need to publish their own games in the same way to sell their hardware and have a very profitable business. And so I think you might see some people in the U S government here, try to get some sound clips, you know, as they stand on the floor and make some speech about this, that, or the other and have their moment go viral. But it still really feels like this thing is um, full steam ahead and uh, just a, a matter of time until it closes. But that $70 billion, amount has certainly increased yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on legal fees alone at this point but it, it's uh, Jeff, going do through.
0: you do you think that there's any possibility of any fallout with regard to the individual publishers when when they read uh some of these sort of less than flattering comments or do you think everybody kind of understands the game that's being played
2: yeah like they're, they're catching strays right a little yeah. bit um I, I think that uh a little bit but um these guys they all have each other's numbers they all talk a lot they yeah. all um and they they kind of know what's happening here uh Andrew Wilson might be a little frustrated that that you know Jim Ryan's you know team is saying that but really like they're most interested in and in making money I mean I remember um uh, uh when when Halo released early uh it, uh, I, hear, I heard stories about andrew wilson getting on the phone immediately and be like listen we are gonna sue you because we have a deal for for battlefield and all this stuff and you're really screwing us over and uh it's like th- that's the kind of stuff they care about is like when they have deals that get crossed. here's yeah. like there's no deal being betrayed they're just maybe looking a little they're being you know kind of put down a little bit but also everyone, everyone gets it yeah. um i'll just like when it comes to trying to figure out or trying to read the tea leaves on on regulators here. It, on its face, it is a little bit weird because gaming is extremely competitive uh, right now. And it's uh, competitive to the point where, the like, if we think about where the next $100 billion game is going to come from, like, if, if I rack my brain, it's probably not going to come from Microsoft or PlayStation. It's going to probably come from some small studio, more than likely making a mobile game. Mm-hmm. It's not a mobile game, some weird new, Live service game or a weird new survival game on Steam that starts as early access and just takes over the world. Yeah. In a world where that that stuff has not just happened like once or twice, but happens repeatedly over and over over the last ten years, it's hard for me to be like, okay, well, this is going to change the competitive landscape in some permanent way. uh Microsoft having Call of Duty, it it just doesn't really register in my mind that way. If anything, you know, the people that are that are Activision right now that own shares and be able to take these this payment from microsoft they can, they'll probably stay there for a little bit but they're probably all going to go start their own studios outside of microsoft in the next couple of years that will then also probably get acquired 10 years from now for a lot of money <laughs> yeah. and that's the system working it's yeah it's kind of i mean if we're going to live under the, uh, under capitalism uh, capitalism like this and we don't have any other choice this is what the system looks like when it's actually functioning as sort of um i think off-putting it is at first to be like oh wow they spent how much money to take over that thing that's that makes me feel weird but i don't know this is what it's supposed to look like yeah yeah the next uh 100 million dollar
0: uh game is is from second dinner uh i
2: played it it's called marvel snap <laughs> <laughs> oh know. boy oh yes it is oh boy i cannot stop i try, i stopped to play pentiment and then i went right back and oh i can't stop playing again
0: that game yeah that's uh people you tell that's like... made
2: about that, that blizzard magic right where it's yeah. like and that's i yeah. mean that's honestly that's an example Blizzard is not Blizzard anymore, Exactly, Blizzard still exists. They're just out there, and there are all these other teams. Blizzard Magic, uh, they've left. They have their own studios now. now.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh,
2: All right, well, uh, let's get to the games
0: that we have been playing. But first, I need to thank our sponsor, which is NordVPN. NordVPN, the VPN that I use, and no matter what you do online, you need the security and performance of a reliable VPN, whether you've never used one before or you've tried a few, NordVPN has all the features, flexibility, and friendliness you could want. First off, you don't have to be a power user if that's what's turned you off in the past. Whether you're on a computer, on your phone, on a tablet, they have apps for Windows, for Android, for iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. All you gotta do is sign in, and then a couple clicks later, you're good to go. One account. Is good for up to six different devices. And a lot of people use a VPN for watching movies or TV from a different region or in a different region if you're traveling. NordVPN makes that easy. Even if you're just watching a US service from inside the US, NordVPN encrypts all your traffic so that your ISP can't throttle your bandwidth based on your content type, which happens to a lot of people. And if you're worried about what happens if the connection to, the connection to NordVPN suddenly drops, you don't need to be because NordVPN has an automatic kill switch that blocks your device from accessing the web while unprotected. Take back your peace of mind and use the web with freedom and security by using NordVPN. Grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash DLC. It'll get you a huge discount off your NordVPN plan and four months free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money back guarantee. That is NordVPN, VPN, dot slash DLC for a huge discount and four months free. Once again, NordvPN.com slash DLC.
2: All right, Jeff, uh, what is on your playlist this week? Yeah, I, uh, I finished uh, Pentiment, and I, I love that game. Um, what I like about it is it's one of these games that kind of plays you, uh, where <laughs> the, you, you're you not really supposed to win Pentiment. You're not really supposed to solve the murders, which I guess uh, people who haven't, don't know what Pentiment is. It's on Xbox uh, Game Pass right now. It is uh, from w- one of the main writers of Fallout New Vegas, it is a, a choose your own adventure game to put it just to really reduce it uh, down to its basis, most basic elements. But, uh, it, it, and what it introduces is a, a couple of murders throughout that you're supposed to try to solve. But the point is not to be, be like, oh, I, I figured it out and I'm the greatest detective in the history of, of mankind. No, you're, you're supposed to learn about these characters and learn about the people in the, in this world, which is, it's, you know, early modern history, just right after medieval times. And uh, there's a lot of change happening in the world. And you play as this artist uh, that uh, is working in an Abbey making books, right. As the printing press comes out, just like to really set the stage. And uh, by the end, you have gone through the ringer with these characters and a lot of twists and turns happen and you don't feel sat- satisfaction with any of the choices. I guess I didn't feel satisfaction. I don't know what other people are going to choose and, and uh, w- whether or not that's more or less satisfying. But I wasn't happy with what, what I had done with this character. Um, and it was awesome to live with that. And it was awesome to see the game knew I would feel that way. Hmm. And then w- and was presenting me with themes that were uh, enforced and then reinforced multiple times you be like, yeah, you are dwelling on the past and you cannot, you should not be doing that. Look what happens to you if you dwell on the past too much. You need to build on the past. And, and the, you know, Pentiment is about art being painted over. It's the like old art being painted over with new art. That theme re- reiterated over and over across all kinds of different concepts, different people, different, um, uh, you know, the, you, you see the Roman ruins built on top of pagan ruins. And then you built, there's a new city built on top of that. That's just like one example of that. But when you see characters dwell on that stuff too much and how it kind of makes them lose themselves, that's where the game's trying to get at. And it does so masterfully. It is mm. so well done. I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Pentium. It's one of my favorite games of the year.
0: Really? Wow. I've yeah. got to check this game out. I, it, I've i been reading all these uh, people praising it. And one theme, as you as you brought up, that, that shines through is this notion that, you know, when I was growing up playing video games as a young kid, a lot of what video games asked of you is to make choices and stick with them. And yes. you would lose out. Lose out is a, maybe even not the right way to phrase it, but you you would p- choose a pathway and there would be a road not taken. Yes. And it feels like these days, most mainstream games s- say, oh, here's a skill tree. Which skills do you want to do first? You're going to have
2: plenty of skill right. points to get it's all, all content it. to be consumed eventually. Absolutely. Yes. And This is um. This definitely pushes back against that, right? The, the yeah. game isn't content; it is it it is art, right? To be you mm-hmm. know sort sort of floofy about it, but it's it is trying to say hey, no. Um, having an option available, choosing a different option, and having to live with that, it, it builds a bridge between you and the character, you and the world, um, and it, it gives you ownership of the story. And uh, I, I I really appreciate a game that knows that it's doing that. And I felt strongly going through it. It's like, no, I'm going to own these choices. And yeah, sometimes it does feel bad. Sometimes I felt real bad about the things I had my character do. Some things I um, did on stream. So it was a little bit more extreme than I might have done on my own. But it's pretty close to what I would have done. Or at least I would have been like, this is the option available available to me. Because I did not do all of the investigatory paths that I I thought I did. And so I want to accuse somebody. And this person seems like they have means, motive, and opportunity. I guess I'll, I'll recommend them. And then, okay, oh, they're. They're hanging her. Okay. All right. Well, that's, I have to live with that now. Um, And that stuff, it it, living with your choices is, uh, is definitely one thing. And then the way they build on it's like, Oh, it's not just like, Oh, and we're going to make you feel bad because you're playing this game and you feel bad. There is a reason behind it in terms of the theming. And again, they just nail it. Wow. Really, really cool game. I I have to be
0: honest. I'm a little off put by the art style. I, I, I think it's a cool, um, you know, big swing. Obviously it's a really unique looking game. But uh, I'm not drawn to that old, you know.
2: Yeah, I, I think it's not an art style. I never, I, I ever would have um, thought would have made for a great game. It's not something like, like a curse. Oh yeah, the old uh, was like illumination or illuminated Limited wood. Manuscripts, print. yeah, yeah, manuscript yeah. stuff, and it, it's definitely a, a play on those. It's not exactly like those, but it's a it's a play on those concepts. I think um, you, you, even if it's an if it's off putting to you. I think if you give it an hour, and you'll you'll either get past it or you'll learn learn to like it, and mm-hmm. then uh, you'll you'll see the ways that it really fits the story and, and the way that they're trying to uh, uh, portray the, the portray of the, like the meaning here. And they it, you know obviously also it enabled them to make it on the cheap. There was like you yeah. know, four people at the start and like a dozen people when they were done. This is a game from Obsidian while well, they're off making like four or five other games. So it's kind of a miracle that this thing even got done. Yeah. So I kind of, I kind of appreciate a game that is um that finds a way to. Will itself into existence. Whether that, whether or not that means like, okay, you we know, we we need we can only make this with four or five people. What's an art style we could pull off? Well, this is one of them.
0: That's really cool. It's cool. It does feel like a labor of love. Yes, uh, and that definitely feels intimate. And it's on Xbox Game Pass. Um, what else is on your playlist? Yeah, a couple other things.
2: Atari Fifty. Have you guys tried this yet? I have not. Uh, So it's basically an interactive museum that is just perfect. It's so well done. I have um, a limited amount of love for Atari. It's definitely, you know, I was playing Atari games on the add-on for our ColecoVision before I got the Nintendo when I was five. Uh, But, uh, yeah, no, not a ton of love for Atari. This game, uh, yeah, it's a collection of old Atari games. Really what it is, though, is a timeline of memorabilia, uh, business cards like the first <laughs> business card for syzygy which is like the name of atari before it changed to atari and then interviews with the people who were there telling the stories wh- you know whether they are um myth mythological at this point or not still getting like 10 or 12 of them together all to tell the same story so you can hear the ways it's different and it's mm. just magic it's so cool to get the, the this history uh while we still can from the people who are really there and it's presented in such a way that it's really easy to just consume it's uh you'll get a paragraph about some little arcade cabinet that had um oh it's it's like it's called catch 'em or grab 'em or something and it's, it's an mm. maze game and one character's pink and the other character's blue and the thing you control it with is a pair of boobs because it's a <laughs> sexy game and it's like well they never actually ended up producing that that way because that would have been too expensive and it's like of course and it looks so stupid but it's like you get to you get that history on it in like a paragraph or two and then you you move on immediately And you you might see some design documents for that thing, or you might see a video of someone talking about some other thing or talking about how, Oh, you know, what was drug use like in the office and everyone telling conflicting stories about that. And the one guy who just doesn't care is like, yeah, we were all doing blow. And it's just, (laughs) it's really, really fun. I cannot recommend it enough. I think it's, uh, it it is an example of where we should be headed with um, telling the history of games. I I think, um, yeah, uh, documentaries are cool. And, uh, a docudramas can be fine. We should be telling the, the history of games inside of games and Digital Eclipse, the company that did this, with the help of a lot of you know former journalists and people who uh, care a lot about old games, all showing up and and telling that history. It worked just magically. That's I think awesome. there's
1: something fascinating about it too where then you can go and play them i think it lends itself to the medium of video games very well absolutely kind of like cowabunga collection where you have and some of these other good collections we've seen where you can play it and experience it and then within that get that history around it where it's like yeah watching the hulu series is fun but there's something really fascinating about having them describe a game and then immediately you can jump in and play it and then immediately jump out and pick up where you left off in the you know, the history of the thing I think is, is really, really cool. And something that's only really possible in,
2: you know, in video games. And it's fun Cal- to California see this stuff was also digital eclipse. It's the same people. Yeah. So yes, mm. oh, wow. it is. Uh, they, they found something that really works and I'm just sort of begging, uh, the universe, I guess, like do this with Sega, do this with, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Odyssey and, and, uh, you know, Magnavox and a television, do it with Nintendo. If it's possible, do this with Nintendo. I would just die. I think mm-hmm. that would be amazing. I uh, was traveling this weekend uh, for for the holidays. We went to Chicago
0: uh, as a family, and I uh, got to uh, meet up with uh, our friend, friend of the show, uh, Danish Sayed, uh, and he took me to this place in Chicago called the Galloping Ghost Arcade. Yeah, I which just went there a few weeks look... ago
2: for Giant Bomb. Are it's you in there? Great. yes, dude. We did a, a travel log of it. It's awesome.
0: Blew my mind. I think Danish is going to be on the Wednesday show, and we'll talk about it more on Pain DLC. But uh, I'm very much in the headspace of having just been there. It's it's they say it is, if not the one of the biggest collections of arcade cabinets in the world. It, I think they have 851 yep. and it, it is
2: massive. It's just this warehouse and just row it's after a, row. It's, a, it's like a mini mall where they bought every single storefront yes. and connected them. It's it, like that big, like it's a whole strip mall on the side of the road. And imagine, like, if five, six stores in a strip mall were all owned by an arcade and every single square inch was packed with an arcade machine. Yeah. Because that's how it is. It's every possible place they could put an arcade machine, it has an arcade machine. That's and right. It's the and best. they're
0: grouped together, like, like yes. uh, with in genre and stuff. It'll have, like, all the Street Fighter cabinets next to each other and, and like, fighting game section and, like, old shmups. And, like, it, 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 it's so... Amazing to just walk down the aisles and see games I've never never seen before, but so many. There's like, oh my God, I haven't thought about that game in 30, 40 years. It, it is um, a magical experience to see those all old arcade cabinets like collected together like that and not not done in a like flashy way. It's literally- No, it's like just like an old said, dingy it's arcade. It's just, a, it's just a line of arcade cabinets. I, I, it makes me very much want to uh, experience this Atari 50 uh, thing because i just was like that nostalgia rush uh of seeing all these these classic pieces of art uh it was just a, such a special feeling and um it's awesome as you said it would be great if more companies got that treatment as well yeah
2: the uh gal the be- best thing about and ghost was uh reading about f-zero ax the arcade version of f-zero gx uh, um you know decades ago never getting to play one. And then getting to sit down there and play it. Uh, and then at this wall, as soon as I sit down, uh, um, Josh uh, Voidberger's uh, quasi-husband, who uh, she works at Giant Bomb, he came there and helped film it for us. And there's, we had a travel log on the site. He handed me a GameCube memory card, which I got to put in the F-Zero AX <laughs> machine. And I, it was just like, oh my God, this is amazing. That I'm, I, I remember getting so excited about the possibility of taking my save between the GameCube and the arcade. And of course, (laughs) arcades were dying. I never got the chance to do that, except for I did at Galloping Ghost after driving for five hours. It was amazing. It was the best. Uh, Christian,
0: I know you and I have been to, uh, you know, retro arcades in LA together a bunch of times. This is like a whole other level. And one of the smartest things they do at this place is they don't ask you to put coins in. Uh, The thing, you you literally just pay an entrance fee, pay 25 bucks, and all the games are ready to go you just push a button and you start playing so you can play anything you don't have to go like oh do i want to play this or do i want to play? which one am i going to spend my quarter on you're just like you're just a kid in a candy store and the candy is all free i mean you pay <laughs> to get in but it's amazing i'm on the other side of that i'm on the other
1: side of that literal coin i i maybe we'll talk about it more on wednesday i prefer quartering up because i think it changes the experience of how long i like definitely playing get that, yeah Playing turtles, you know the arcade game with unlimited lives. A very different experience than you having five dollars. How far are you going to get? And so maybe from a nostalgia perspective of like go and tinker, maybe the free play is 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 more exciting. But I think it's kind of the reason why some of those because Xbox kind of tried to do that on the 360. Right, you could have your arcade and you could get your games and you could just play them. I, in my opinion, most arcade games don't play well <laughs> with unlimited plays. Um, but I, I understand it from the nostalgia rush of like Homer in you know Candyland, like Ooh, yeah. they have this and you jump over yeah. there and jump yeah. around.
2: It's the um, right way for galloping ghosts with all those machines because it it's like it's it, like the, the the pure logistics of them like emptying the coin slots yeah. of the <laughs> number of machines. <laughs> Honestly, it's yeah. probably the reason they do it. You're absolutely right. Like that, <laughs> they have to pay some like multiple people full time wages just to do that. Yeah. yeah. Man. Uh, anyway, that's Atari fifty. Uh, what else is on your playlist? Goat Simulator Three is a ton of fun. I uh, I played a little bit of Goat Simulator One. I you know like everybody, I streamed it a couple times. It, you know, it's, it's fun for that. uh We did a quick look on John bomb for Goat Simulator Three, where I I just started up and started playing with Jan over there. We were having a good time messing with each other. It's got great online features. It just sort of works. Um, and we were just having fun discovering all the things you could do, setting things on fire. I turned into a giraffe, and then Dan Dan Riker pops in without like being invited because we're friends. He just popped right online and just started. Uh, uh, harassing us he had been playing for a lot longer he was a, a shark with a dolphin face and he had an old <laughs> lady in a rocking chair on his back that was firing balls of of yarn at us out of like a potato gun and it would just keep knocking me over and i and then i'm like eventually just running away from him so he got a a, a satellite dish on his back that he could zoop me up and then just shoot me out into the ocean and it's just like n- nonstop madness <laughs> but it was so much fun and the game lends itself to all those weird things i uh I put on the video of that for uh, my, my mother-in-law, and my sister-in-law when they were here and they were just cracking up because it's immediately, it's just funny to see a draft limply rolling over down the street for way longer than he should, because I'm just <laughs> holding the button to keep him rolling and rolling and rolling and then go out in the ocean. And this limp giraffe is just like looking like Loch Ness, like the Loch Ness monster, just chasing down another goat. It is, uh, it's just, that is what comedy is in video games. It is uh, uh, sort of three stooges so slapstick, uh, ha- having like physics interact with mechanics in unexpected ways. And it's, it is endlessly sort of fun. Oh, it's endless fun. I think uh, for um, viewing and that's why it's so good as a streaming game. I bet it's going to be endless fun for kids and it's going to be a couple of good sessions for, I think most gamers, but still it's go simulator through like what else are you expecting? I think it's kind of nailing exactly what it's going to go for. Is it, is
0: it uh sort of kid friendly? I don't even know. It, it, is yes. It, yeah.
2: Yeah. It's um the it's violence. Not- is not an a, eighteen and eighteen and over. Yeah, it's not, a, it's not an eighteen plus shooter like <laughs> yeah. all the best games. Uh, <laughs> right. it, it is uh, sort of removed through at least a layer of abstraction where. Uh, it, it all feels very cartoony. It can look realistic, but as soon as the physics, like the ragdolling kicks in, it's so absurd that it's just, it doesn't even look real anymore. My kids were w- watching it and they were like, they were also having a good time and they weren't scared by the draft, like looking like he was basically dead But they, to them. It <laughs> didn't look like anything anymore. It right. just looked like kind of silly. So yeah, it worked.
1: What it is scary is when you turn around though, and you see the naked guy from it follows standing on a roof and you're like, oh no, you know, it's just gets, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs>
0: Well, that is Goat Simulator 3, and uh, that's what Jeff Grubb has been playing. Christian Spicer, what's on your playlist?
1: This is a game that is in early access, also available on Xbox Game Pass. I'm going to pronounce it Lapman. Uh, maybe there's a different way to say it, and maybe I should have taken the time to look up how other people have pronounced it, but I didn't because I was playing it. It is a um, precision platformer in the vein of a Celeste or an Ori. Right. I've been uh, hearing about
2: this. I'm very curious. Folks
1: folks know that I love both of those games. I'm a big Celeste fan. And I find it fascinating that when a game launches in early access, I always question how much I should play if I like it. (laughs) You know, I'm like, ooh, this is good. Well, what's going to change? How far do I get? Will my save reset is this not the best version of it. Should I wait and save myself? Um, So it is that 2D precision platforming style game very from what i've played i would say more similar to celeste in terms of level progression than ori with a bunch of uh power-ups and skill trees and all of that stuff that kind of unlocks as you go but the art style of of, of lapin is very very stunning especially when still i think the animation for some some stuff leaves uh, a lot to be desired But you play as this little bunny, and you're leaving it just early game, quote-unquote narrative. You have to leave your burrow because humans are developing in that area. So you have to leave your burrow, and it's kind of sad and melancholy. And you have to go out and explore the world. And there are times when it zooms in, and it's got that, you know, um, Studio Ghibli or even like a – what's his name? American Tale, like Don Bluth. Is that a – Don Bluth films? Like not quite, but it's at this – Painted, hand-drawn, animated aesthetic that is just, there's like kind of classical music playing in the background. And it is so beautiful to look at in those in those stills or with just like slight motion going by. Um, and then I, I feel from what I've played so far where that kind of look maybe hurts it or maybe it's the quality of the animation is in that precision platforming. I feel as if my bunny has and Alex Solman and I talked about this on um, some feeling this episode, the idea of telegraphing your movement, where I feel like my bunny kind of has a not jumping and then full, full jump, you know, it's in its full jump pose and I can't quite tell how far I'm flying over the platform based on how my character is reacting, but it's got uh, all the stuff that I like, all, all that, all that catnip of, you know, clinging onto a wall for a short amount of time as you slide down it, then you can jump off the wall and, um, Oftentimes, uh, it's most levels or engagements are single screens as you're kind of progressing toward a thing, and it's a one-hit kill a la Super Meat Boy or something like that, but it very quick reloads you back at the bottom of that screen. So it's not back at the beginning of a level or a whole engagement. You're trying to get to this collectible at the top right of the screen, per se, and you got to jump over this these thorns and these bottomless pits to get there, and if you miss and you fall quickly fades and you're right back where you started and you get to do that engagement again the things that i think are holding it back are as i mentioned that animation and then some of the stuff in the levels themselves are like swinging platforms that very much look like stills just kind of moving through a platform or moving through the space which forever for whatever reason throws me for a bit of like am i When do I jump on that? Is that a thing that I'm engaging with or is it just part of background scenery? There's just some little things like that that I think could use a little more polish and perhaps that's why it's in an early access that I think would make the act of doing a little more rewarding. And then the music is also very chill. Like (laughs) there were moments where I couldn't quite figure out this jump and it was still just like, And I'm, you know, gripping my controller too hard as I can't jump over these thorns. it doesn't have that thrust of Celeste's score that really would amp up or Ori in the middle of a chase as the the, the music gets high. So I'm very curious to see what in Lapin changes between now and release and what is being fine-tuned and kind of what remains the same. But if you are looking for a Meat Boy, Celeste, that kind of difficult platforming, challenging gameplay i think it's easy to recommend as one of the best of the genre it's not there yet but i think it's i always like jumping into those style of games and seeing what's new and and how they're evolving that or or kind of playing into that and ultimately it comes down to level design right so hopefully as this game goes into full release it'll have that flow state that these games can hit it's uh it's really pretty and fun to look at
0: and it's i think it's cool that uh, game pass is having these uh, early access games more and more i like that trend
2: Um, yeah me too i I love early access site i think it's uh it's been really important to gaming for a long time even before it had a name um um, kerbal space program was early Mm. access there was no steam early access at that point and it's like yeah games need this um and I'm, i'm sort of the the opposite of you christian where i like playing early access games and seeing how like not just seeing how things change but um having that experience of having things change from underneath me because it's like, oh man, I got to have this relationship with this game when it was something different and now it's this. And I'll always have that. That will always be magical. And I guess Dead Cells did this better where you can go back and play those other old versions of the game. They enable you to download any update that they've done so far. Uh, and I, re- I think that's something every game should do. And I'm, I'm looking at this and I am 100% going to hop in here. I love the Celeste Meat Boy genre and I think this game is gorgeous looking. This looks so cool. So yeah, I'm going I'm to be playing this real soon.
1: Yeah, and I love seeing a gorgeous game that is a different art style as well. Like yes. there are a lot of these gorgeous platformers and it's like, oh, well, we've done pixel graphics to death or we've done this aesthetic to death. And this game from all accounts seems wholesome and cheery. I'm sure there's something awful coming with the humans and what development means and dead bunnies that we'll find somewhere. But from the outset, it's very, it's very cheery and very kid appropriate. I guess the only other knock I'll have on it is that the plot so far isn't really grabbing me and some of the chatting can seem longer than I want it to. I think kind of like Ollie Ollie world, a game I truly adore. And I will also, you know, put in this genre in some form or fashion, but like, I just did not, I never really cared about those characters and the conversations in here and and The bunnies will be like, oh, did you build this thing? We did build this thing. I built it back then and I was going to build it then. Did you ever? And I'm just like, I don't care. I want to jump over these thorns uh, <laughs> as I bang my microphone. Yep. Um, But definitely worth checking out. And I I also agree, um, Jeff, that I love early access on console and it's maybe more commonplace now, but for the longest time, it was locked behind PC gaming. And I
0: think it's yeah. good to see more of this happening and, um
1: on smaller games too and with
0: game pass you can you can jump into these for what is ostensibly free you know you, you can try out these games for free i think it's so cool that they're doing that yeah agreed. Um, i have a uh, a number of uh, uh indie games on my playlist this week as well uh, i checked out uh some games that, that i came away uh really positive on all of them actually um Soccer Story is a game that should be out by the time you hear this episode. I think it's coming out in a day or so. Uh, and this is not a sequel to Golf Story. It has nothing to do with Golf Story, but it is certainly um, familiar to those who uh, enjoyed Golf Story. Uh, obviously, different sports, but similar idea of sort of role-playing game-ification to uh, a sport. Uh, and you play as a, a little character in a world where there was this massive calamity And all soccer was eliminated from the world, uh, except for it's controlled by one terrible organization called FIFA. No, (laughs) no, but but it is clearly uh, an analog to FIFA, and there is no shortage of little snide references, uh, which I appreciated. Uh, I'm not a huge FIFA. uh,
1: FIFA has not been embroiled in a single scandal in the last. (laughs)
0: Let's check our watch here. (laughs) Ten minutes. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <so. laughs> You've been doing the show the last ten minutes, Christian. How can you be sure? Um, the, uh, it, it, so, you know, there's, it's a send-up of that. And, and the, the writing is cute and fun, and, and uh, I think it has a lot of wink, 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 nudge, nudge, which I enjoy. And I enjoy the art style in this game as well. It is really uh, interesting. It's, it's pixelated characters in a voxel world with sort of hand-drawn, uh, really crisp art. Overlays, so like anytime uh, text or or menus or overlays will happen, it's very crisp and and beautiful and and uh, you know uh, almost animated, hand animated style. But the game itself, the characters are like these two D sprites, and then the world is three D voxels. And I've never really seen that like triple mashup before, and it, it works really well. It, uh, it's a very attractive game to look at. And basically, what you're doing throughout the game is using your magic soccer ball that you would acquire uh to interact with the world in various ways those various ways include kicking the soccer ball at things uh <laughs> and there are little puzzles and quests you'll get uh to upgrade your uh your skills you acquire a team right at the beginning of the game uh, of uh of other soccer players and like a panda <laughs> i don't know why well, yeah why not he, he's the captain of the team he's like a, he's your goalie um Oh yeah. I love yeah, that. The panda's gotta be the goalie. Uh, and you can level up their you know, they have attribute speed and and all the you know different attributes. And you get, you know, little special moves that you can do uh in role playing game style. And basically you're moving around the world and like finding little targets to kick the ball at, or my favorite of them is finding um goal like like goal posts that are hidden in the world that are made out of you know paint or you know oh, fun. architecture of the world is like formed in the right particular way to make a goal and you you discover it and if you kick the ball through the goal you get you know you points and oh, you that. get uh, you know quest you solve the quest uh, so lots of fun little stuff like that And I thought going in that it was going to be more traditional role playing game in that I was going to have battles all the time and I was going to have to do soccer battles or something, but there's basically no combat at all in the game. Ultimately, when you get to the end of a major section of the game, you have a soccer match, which is like a timed soccer match against, it basically is a boss battle, but it's a soccer game. But they're very rare. They're not, it's not like the Mm. common fight that you'll have. It's like the end of a section of the game and you have the, it all leads up to the soccer match. And so you, you know, you level up your characters to get ready for it. And the first one (laughs) that you get to is, you know, you have to do a lot of stuff to get to it. And and the first one is like, okay, you're going to, you're going to play against the toddlers. (laughs) Like literally, you're going to play against the toddlers. And the first time I played (laughs) against the toddlers, I lost eight to one.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and I was like you, were, like, you kicked the ball and took a toddler with it, and like shot yeah, it in
0: the face. <laughs> the game sets it up like, okay, we'll give you the like the you know the training wheels, introductory tutorial, <laughs> uh, soccer match. You're gonna play against the toddlers. I was like, okay, and yeah, you yawn, and then they <laughs> schooled me eight to one. I was like, oh, this is serious. Mm-hmm. Um, because toddlers all th- don't play a position, you know,
1: it's just mob. Right? Rugby. Yeah, you know, they no will. Pack. You're just yeah,
0: yeah. It's it's sort of that like, <laughs> would you rather fight one giant duck or a hundred mini ducks? You know. <laughs> um, anyway, I found the actual soccer. I mean, I'm not a FIFA play. I'm not. I don't play the FIFA games every year. I'm not a you know huge soccer nut or anything like that. And it is very much an arcadey. It's like you know NHL on the Genesis. You know, it's like an mm-hmm. old school like NES arcade soccer game where you're just knocking people down and taking the ball and you have like three things you can do pass slide and tackle or shoot a goal so there's there's very little nuance and ultimately that would be my biggest complaint is that in the actual soccer matches i wish there was more nuance more options more subtlety to the game but I think the over the, the the majority of the things you do in the game isn't playing soccer. Your majority of what you're doing is investigating the world and and kicking the ball through things and and, find, and all that stuff is delightful. So uh, I like Soccer Story, and I think uh, I think people will enjoy it. If you like games like Golf Story and um, if you like soccer, I think I think it's a it'll be an interesting game. I I. I hesitate to uh, recommend it to folks that are like really into FIFA because I think it's a very simplified version of, right. of actual soccer. Is the downside? I, uh, I, I, I love Golf Pay. Story. I
2: have a code for this. I'll, I'm I'm going to be checking it out. But uh, I, yeah, just the idea that okay, yeah, everything is soccer. That's what they do. That's what they did in Golf Story. I'm like, okay, yeah. they they know what they're doing here, and I'm excited about that.
0: There, there's also sort of a nod to Golf Story in the game. You you get you uh, unlock like a a, a foot golf mini game where you're playing golf but you're playing with a soccer oh, ball it's <laughs> yeah, pretty very good uh, awesome. yeah also great game to play on the steam deck i that's oh, where yeah. i mostly played it when i was traveling it is perfect for that awesome uh another game i played on my steam deck is called bravery and greed i talked about this one uh, i think one of the steam demo weeks uh, whatever the that was called um when they were doing a bunch of steam demos um and i was drawn to it again i still really like this game. It. It's sort of, um, I sort of describe it as uh, Rogue Legacy with multiplayer, with the slightly more sort of uh, role-playing game stuff. It's not quite as good as Rogue Legacy, in my opinion, um, but it's fun. And, and the the classes play very differently from one another. I mean, it's a 2D uh, action platformer. You select a class at the beginning, uh, you know, the, the wizard and, and uh, sword, you know, sword and shield character, two-handed sword character, assassin and they all have very, very different um, uh, movesets. And in fact, the wizard like, can summon an elemental and then you control the elemental. It's really very, very different. And a lot of the characters are very different. I think the game is pretty, uh, is very much a, uh, a roguelite. Um, you're doing these runs and there's five big dungeons and you're trying to accomplish things. And it can play with up to four people in co-op. I have not done that yet. I want to, uh, but it is very chaotic on the screen when that happens. So uh, I don't know how much that'll detract from it, but I like Bravery and Greed a lot. And again, it plays great on the Steam Deck. Uh, I'm enjoying it. I, I just kind of started into it and uh, I recommend it. Um, the final game that I will mention is uh, I think my favorite of the three and it is called Ship of Fools. This I'm playing on PlayStation 5. I got a code for it on PlayStation 5. Uh, this game has single-handedly gotten me to buy a second Dual sense controller. Uh, because oh, really? Okay, yeah. I think my son is gonna love playing this with me. And I was like, uh, I think this game is built for co op. I've been playing it solo, you certainly can play it solo. This is another roguelite. Um, (laughs) but it is the central, uh, the central dynamic is very similar to a game called, um, I should have looked it up, Love in a. Time of Uh, space time. What's Love in a dangerous space time. Or is it Yeah, something like that? Yeah. Anyway, if you remember that game, that's a game I really enjoyed. Basically it is, you know, it's like, um, love lovers in a dangerous space time. Lovers in a dangerous space time. Yes. Thank you. Great game. Or another reference would be like overcooked. Basically any of those games where you and somebody else are, you're trying to do a thousand things at once and you can only do maybe two or three of them at once. And that's the fun. The fun is being slowly overwhelmed by the number of things you have to do at any given time. And like Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time, a ship of fools is going out into scary place In this, in this case, you are on a ship that you have. You go out into these different tiles, uh, very much a roguelite, like there's a, a map that has different tiles. You select which right. tile you want to go to. There is going to be an encounter on that tile some of the tiles will give you treasure some of the tiles will be a boss battle whatever it is like ftl yeah yeah like ftl or you know any million others yeah uh, at this point um and uh and so you have these cannons on your little ship you can man the cannon there's uh for solo mode at least i don't know if it is there in co-op mode but one of the cannons will auto fire but you have to physically load the the ammo into it there's different mm-hmm. types of ammo you can find and acquire and get and buy uh, and you can load out your your ship in various ways with different kinds of uh, weaponry you get over time and there's monsters that come and you can you can smack them with your little uh oar when you run up to them but most of the time they're far enough away that you have to man the cannon Shoot! 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 Oh, I'm out of ammo. Run over to your ammo thing. Pick up the ammo. Plop it into, the, plop it into the, the cannon. Shoot! 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 Oh no, they're on a different side. Run over to the other side. It is just that like chaotic, wild, slowly overwhelmed as the things are on all sides of you, and you're you know part of the fun is oh, I accidentally dropped the ammo over the side of the ship instead of putting it into the <laughs> cannon. It's just that like you know t- spinning plates. It's spinning plates. Very fun, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful game. I mean, gorgeous. It looks like a Saturday morning cartoon this game. It is stunning to look at. Charming, fun, great little upgrade paths, you know, it, and it, you're doing these runs as far as you can get across the map uh you know but until you're completely overwhelmed and your ship is sunk and you can repair the ship in real time and you you, you got to shoot a harpoon off the side to get a, a a plank that's floating in the water so you can pull it on board and use that plank to repair your ship and it's just it's just chaos uh but it's delightful chaos and I really want to play it with my son cuz I think he's going to have a blast uh us you know talking to each other you gotta go get to the get to the north the top side i'm gonna be the bottom side i think it, it's that kind of uh goofy fun and i having a great time and it's it's like it's 14 bucks i 15 bucks um just a just a great little game ship of
2: fools it's, uh, it's two player right so when you say it's multiplayer like it's two yeah. player cooperative okay yes yeah I, two uh, people on the cool. on the boat at any given time i think we're, I'm, I'm like Gonna see if we're gonna do a quick look at this this week because that sounds like a perfect game to play on Giant Bomb. So, oh yeah, I think it's gonna be great for streamers because it it is literally just how long can you last before you're overwhelmed by the
0: nuttiness? You know? Yes, I I
2: I love those kinds of games. This one seems like it looks really nice. You're right; the graphic style is very very sharp. Yeah,
0: and and I love how it's animated. Everything moves in this like herky jerky. Uh, very Saturday morning cartoon style. Ooh, it's like um, on the
2: twos or something, like animated on the twos, the twos sort of. <laughs> yeah,
0: animated on the twos, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's the jazz of animation. Yeah, it's yeah, the, <laughs> the frames you don't animate, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, anyway, that is Ship of Fools, uh, Bravery and Greed, and soccer Story on my playlist. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. We do have parting gifts coming up, so stick around for those. Jeff Grubb, it's always so much fun to have you on the show and chat. Uh, thanks for
2: being here. Absolutely. This is this is great, guys. I, I really do appreciate it. I listen all the time. Uh, you guys do a great show. I th- this is uh, fantastic. Thanks for having me on. Uh, our pleasure. Tell folks where they can keep up with you and all the stuff that you do online. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Giant Bomb mostly these days. GiantBomb.com. Uh, I, I also have my own, own own podcast. But basically, if you go to GameMess.net, that'll take you to my Discord great community we all hang out there uh but we have our podcast producers there that give us some ideas and stuff like that but uh you can just come there join for free come hang out and then you can find all my stuff there as well but yeah the go to giant bomb i guess the thing right now is um we're playing the uh, bubsy 3d i say we i'm playing <laughs> bubsy 3d as part of our thing called blight club where we play really bad games and uh, uh dan got the voice actress for uh for bubsy to record lines basically just yelling at me personally so he plays those while we're playing and it's just a nightmare it's truly awful uh, and i kind of uh, if you want to see me be miserable it's a great way to do it uh that game is rough stuff but you know playing through that be doing that again live this thursday amazing i think i saw you uh with a on your uh, on your twitter feed of a, a bubsy uh christmas ornament uh someone photoshopped that in there because now <laughs> apparently bubsy's gonna be my thing so here we go that's the rest of my life just oh, bubsy Jeff, everywhere bubsy grub uh, yeah, yeah, it's called grubsy 3d yes and that, was the, that was actually the whole idea like that rhymes we should just play that i'm like maybe, maybe we shouldn't maybe we shouldn't do that but here i am amazing uh christian spicer what do you got going on
0: this week
1: not playing uh bubsy that is no, always my favorite thing of you. those things is that fans <laughs> come out of the woodwork right and they, yeah. they will make it your thing like no no it's good if you just and it's like i <laughs> i get it I'm not (laughs) yucking your yum, but it's not my, it's not my thing. It's not, I
2: I have no saying it. It feels like, and it's like, all right, (laughs) here we go.
1: (laughs) It could be your thing. Um, For folks that want to get in touch with me, the best way is on uh, this show's discord. I still am on Twitter at Spicer. I'm also, I was one of those people that was like, oh, I guess we're all on hive now. I guess that's the thing. Um, So I'm there at Christian Spicer because I'm the guy who wants to have a slightly different handle on every social? Like, you know, <laughs> it's it, yeah, it makes be, it easy for you yeah, keep you like, on yeah, your toes. Yeah. Instagram. I think I still technically have an account and it's Christian underscore Spicer. I need to have just like a better handle that no one ever wants, but like my Twitter one's pretty good as just my last name, but it's also, you know, I guess attractive enough that I'm like, Oh, I'll log onto this new thing. No one else has that. And it's like, it's been taken by 800 people already. You could be Spicer 801 <laughs> if you want it. Um, Real cool. And then I launched my my new site. My new site is up, which is just christianspicer.com. Uh, I'll be doing microblogging there as well. Um, so you can go and check that out. I'll put... That's where, like, when embargo things hit. And we can't talk about it. On, you know, it's between shows. I'll post my my quick thoughts there over at my my website. You can find those there. And then my newsletter, which you can which you can I stumbled through it because I haven't sent one in a long time. <laughs> I've been bad. You can subscribe to for free at tiny letter.com slash Christian Spicer. And then also this very show feeling this, Jeff, we got a new one on Friday, the jet set we did last Friday yeah. was a uh, jet set radio and people seem to really mm. love that. That's been awesome to see that feedback. And it's been fun seeing people. Um, Alex Solomon and I did an episode on active reload, And that kind of then became a broader discussion about quick time events because they have this negative connotation of like, oh, QTE is crappy. And it's like, but everybody loves active reload. And that's just a really well-timed QTE in the middle of something else. And it's been fun seeing people from that episode going back and revisiting the Gears franchise. Um, And those episodes drop uh, for patrons on Fridays.
0: That's right. Patrons at any level. Patreon.com slash DLC pod. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Canata, which is spelled with two N's and one T. Uh, again, you can write to us here on the show, DLC at gmail.com. And I have uh, several other shows you could check out, including the film cast, which is about movies and TV shows. The, uh, the uh, weekend, uh, we, no, I don't know. I don't know the shows I do. We, <laughs> we have concerns is a comedy science show. I do with uh, Anthony uh, Carboni. Find that at wehaveconcerns.com. And uh, I do a sports show called The Fan-Controlled Show. Actually, the title changes every week because it's fan-controlled. And you can find that on twitch.tv slash fan-controlled sports or on YouTube or as a podcast as well. All right. Let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Hey, give us a suggestion.
2: Jeff, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? uh yeah I've been uh, uh I was like, oh I'm done with Star Wars after uh, the rise of Skywalker and then uh, Andor came out and showed <laughs> me that i'm a I'm a true liar i'm I'm a despicable liar because boy Andor is just the best thing that's ever happened period oh, good. it's so good so good uh, it's so good um I so uh, yeah obviously recommend Andor, but I've been um uh, getting to the high Republic books that they've been putting out and it's like oh yeah they're of course they were doing interesting stuff with Star Wars. they're just doing it off in this little side thing. Uh, where they can be, they can—they're not afraid to be a little bit less commercial, and they can have Jedi that are a little bit more complicated and 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 stuff like that. And it's all happening in the High Republic. It's—I've uh, read the the first book, and I'm in the middle of reading the second one, and in between there, there's a couple of uh, like side stories and uh, junior novels and stuff like that that I dipped into a little bit. But the main novels so far have been really good. I think they both have been written by Kevin Scott. I think that's right. Um, but uh, you know, check those out. I, I really kind of kind of can't recommend them enough. They are wow. very well done take on. Okay, yeah, this is the height of the Republic. Uh, this is the height of the Jedi Order. Uh, like, what what problems would they be facing? And they do a good job of you know uh, uh, of positioning these characters in interesting ways without having to be like, and now the Sith are attacking again. There's a whole kind of new enemy that is interesting in its own way and actually they're, they're called the nihil they're nihilists and uh it's like oh this feels familiar in terms of our times and in the same way that andor has been commentating on on our, our times through its own way it's not as incisive as andor nothing is but it's still um uh, pretty good stuff and i really recommend it is it does it take place like uh, hundreds of years before the yes Skywalker? Hundreds of, yoda is pretty young mm. is where it's at mm. everyone else is, doesn't has been born yet yoda's there but he's pretty young he is on the jedi council but um it's still like his early days. He's like a hundred years old instead of 800 years old. I think. Cool. Yeah. That's good stuff. High
0: Republic books. Um, Christian Spicer. What is your parting gift?
1: Well, I'll give a quick second to those young adult books, especially if you have young adults in your life, they are a good jumping on point and they don't require tons of prior star Wars knowledge. And they, I think take to the more recent lineage of young adult fantasy books. where like stuff happens. Characters die. Like there's like actual stakes, but it's still light enough that, but, like, early on, it's like, oh, yeah, this thing blew up. What happened to Timmy? Timmy's dead. Yep. You, you idiot. You <laughs> thought you liked Timmy? This is a YA book, but Timmy's gone. We got yeah, to they, they play with and
2: emotions so. in really strong ways. I, I agree with that, yeah.
1: Yeah, they're fun. Um, my parting gift for this week will be, as we are now, you know, it's after Thanksgiving. It is Christmas. I mean, it was, it was apparently Christmas uh, on July 5th is apparently the way the world works after uh, Fourth of July. It becomes Christmas. But I would encourage listeners, if they are in that spirit to fold one new Christmas song into their rotation, like new from the last five years is all, or like if you haven't added Kelly Clarkson's Christmas hits, which are older than five years old, if you haven't folded those into the rotation, get on them. They're great. Um, The Linda Linda's I've talked a lot about uh, just in general. On the course of this show, they have a Christmas song out groovy Xmas." find that one. Cause I think Christmas playlists can get stagnant and stale with great. I mean, just, just hits, right? Like, bangers from all the classics but new great bands are still making christmas songs so go find that one new song you you'll, the first time you hear it you'll be like "eh, it's not as good as this out or the other but it will be the third year because that's how they get you they're all little <laughs> earworms you gotta fold one in now and then pretty soon it'll be your favorite so look to add a new song to your christmas playlist
0: that was one of my favorite things about the guardians of the galaxy christmas special is Agreed. that like it's wall-to-wall christmas songs almost none of them i'd ever heard before yeah. i was like oh, that's pretty pretty well done pretty well done yeah i think but bands uh, they, haven't
1: stopped making them and 80s yeah. bands made a bunch of them new kids on the block did a whole album back in the day <laughs> like,
2: i think one was a cover of the jimmy fallon christmas song that they did on snl where they're all dancing and looking at it i'm pretty sure that was one they did in that guardians uh, short yeah. so i'm like that's pretty cool. I'm actually going to like try to find that. I, I like watch the credits waiting for it to pop up and I, I missed it. So I'm like, I'll have to actually f- see if I can find that recording. Cause I would like to fold that in there. It's older than five years ago now, but still I'm going to, I'm going to consider that my new one for this year. Yeah, a he, bit he, spice. you feel
0: like the same 10 songs. <laughs> in the same it's, yeah, it's an place.
2: expansion.
1: I'll count it, Jeff. So it's DLC for a... us. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, my, uh,
0: my parting gift is not Christmas theme, but it is a movie that is, I think, uh, available wider to the world now. I talked about it on the film cast a while back, um, but uh, it's one that you shouldn't miss. If, you're, if you love uh, quirky, interesting, fun, weird movies, Triangle of Sadness, which is a title that would have put me off. I, mean, I don't want to watch the sad movie. It's not sad. It's a, the title is, has nothing to do with the content of the movie. Uh, but I would suggest if you uh, trust me on gun movie suggestions, go into this one without knowing anything about it, because you will be taken on a ride. My friends, uh, it is it, where you start in this movie is very different from where you end. And uh, I really loved, it is a movie that I I, challenge you to predict where it's going it is uh quite uh quite an unexpected journey that triangle of sadness takes i found it delightful uh very very funny darkly funny but funny nonetheless and a, a wonderful commentary on the world and just uh it, it's an incredible ride so check out triangle of sadness if you can find it. i think it's i think it might be on demand now or certainly uh, expanding to more theaters than it was originally so seek it out All right, we also got a listener-suggested parting gift. This was sent to us at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Comes from Andy, who writes, Hey guys, love the show, been listening for a year or so. Always excited to get your nuggets of gaming wisdom and random ramblings on the midweek Patreon show. I thought I'd suggest a parting gift. I'm sure many people are like me in that they get home from work, sit at their desk to play games, and are suddenly overcome with decision paralysis and have no idea what game to play. He said, insert too many games jingle here. There you go. (laughs) Uh, Well, here's something to make it worse. (laughs) To make it worse. (laughs) (laughs) I recently installed Opera GX, a gaming-focused web browser, to find an absolute ton of indie games built right in. A smorgasbord of retro-style chiptune-riddled browser games. Anything from racing games, shooters, roguelikes, dungeon crawlers, and even vampire survivor likes. Thought I'd pass this along for anyone else looking to fill 30 minutes at lunch or just sit back and chill to some cool little indie games that run without the need for one of those expensive beefy GPs. As an added bonus, the browser homepage has a built-in game release schedule. It plays chill music while you browse the web and has great integration for apps like Discord so you can chat with friends from the browser. Never For the life of me, thought I'd install an Opera web browser, but hey, this one seems great. Anyway, keep up the great work. Cheers,
2: Andy. Uh, Thank you, this, Andy. This is my uh, – I've made this joke a bunch of times on my stuff, but when I talk about the gamer browser, if anyone's coming here to listen to me, this is the browser I'm talking about. Really? I'm like, let me, let me consult the gamer browser, and I go and look at the release calendar and stuff like that. <laughs> so it's—I I just have it open as my secondary one um, for, like, uh, routing my audio for different, doing different shows. Like, I'll, I'll put all my major stuff in, in Edge. I use Edge now uh and then uh for for everything else i'll do it in opera like if i need to bring up a video during the show it'll be in uh, opera but i'm like oh yeah this is an easy one that was just in the microsoft windows store i installed it what was it was no problem and then i'm like oh it does have kind of some cool features it does have all these games and this release calendar just on this tab constantly it's kind of useful for my job so uh that's a good recommendation I, i that's pretty funny i'm i'm glad that that got mentioned on the episode that i was on well done andy Very cool.
0: If you'd like to be like Andy and have your recommendation read on the show, send it to us, dlcfeedback at gmail.com. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Jeff Grubb and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for those great bumpers. Our theme song is by White Cube, which is Jason Sherry and T. Ryan Arnold. Thank you to each and every one of you for downloading and listening to the show. Thanks especially to our patrons and our top tier patrons our hype train level patrons they get their names read out at the end of every episode which i'm gonna do right now that's right it's time for me to thank our hype train patrons patrons like brian your dan hyperboy 66 Scott Lambert Sure You Can Comedian Aaron Trahan David Epp John Sisko Curtis from Louisville Relentless Rex Michael S Andy Joyce Matt Valdez John Sisko Kyle Starr Anthony Goulas Riley Knox Rob Rickman Dan Flanagan, Sassan, Hank Patton, Cheesy Bob, Adam Denby, Victor Valenzuela, Scooby Diesel, Jonathan Talbert, Chris Zacharias, Matt Bradley, Jeff Lucksack, Mitchell Ness, John Putney, with one L Harris, Jimmy Radcliffe, Malcolm King, Mark Dowling, Dan Palmino, Scott Hughes, Stu Goss, Ben, Jenny, Nate, Kevin Brazel, Yick, Zachary White. Albert of the Stuff and Junk Show Podcast. Jonathan Spiceman Forever Schlepfer. Soren Silk. Mike Lombardo. The Spiceman Silencer. Michael Buck. Travis. Jackson. Michael Stadler. Nick Strauss-Klein. Jad. Peter Olber, and Josh Peak, Christian Bravery, and Taylor Wigger, Octavia, Let's see you, Jason Novak. Thank you to all our hype train patrons for making this show possible. All right, thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week. Until then, think